I'm going to rattle off a list of famous people here, and I want to know if you have any idea what they have in common. Jim Carrey, Richard Branson, Tyler Perry, Adam Levine, Anthony Hopkins, Stevie Wonder, Albert Einstein, Robin Williams, Steven Spielberg, Cher, and Stephen King. And these are just a select few. Do you have any idea what commonality they have and that they share with my guest that I have on the episode today? Stick around. We're going to talk about it. Here we go. One, two, three, four. Hello, my name is Billy Diamond, and welcome to episode number 16 of the Branding for Entertainers podcast. Um, I really hope you're doing well, and I hope that your New Year resolutions are actually working out for you. Uh, we're in February now, and uh, remember last month? I don't want you to forget about those resolutions that you thought of or the goals that you have for 2021. So I want to encourage you to please stay on task because uh, you really do. You got this. Uh, We made it through 2020. It's a brand new year. So let's push forward. Just a couple of things I want to talk with you about before we jump into today's episode. Um, If you're enjoying this podcast content, I'd really appreciate it if you'd rate it wherever you're listening. If you're an Apple podcast listener, please be sure to give it your review and a five-star rating. This really helps us in our ranking, and I honestly, I can't do it without your input or your help, so I really appreciate it. Now, additionally, if you or someone you know might be a great fit to be on the podcast, you can submit an interview request at brandingentertainers.com forward slash podcast. That's podcast with an S. So just scroll to the bottom of the page, and you'll see that submission form. Now, what do all those famous people that I mentioned earlier have in common with my guest today? They have all had to overcome some sort of major adversity or challenge in their life before they became a brand name or the people that we know today. Now, in my last episode, which was a call-in episode, caller Joe Diamond talked about what he called a praise folder where he would pull it out if he feels down or defeated. And it includes letters, screenshots, quotes, and things like that to really help him feel encouraged by his heroes. And it was a, it's a great tool, actually. And as I was researching more for this particular podcast episode, I was totally amazed by how many famous people who had to overcome personal obstacles and challenges before they ever even made it to the top. So it was truly inspiring and even reassuring that we can all do the impossible and pull through circumstance. And I'm not going to get into telling you their story today, but you can do a quick Google search and find that out for yourself. But my guest today is no different. He, too, had to overcome some really serious adversity in his life after he was diagnosed with having Tourette's syndrome as a kid. And now the label, that could have stopped him in his tracks, but he chose to pursue a career in acting and later as a magician. And today he combines his love of performing, sharing his story, and also training people on how to be resilient. He's a captivating entertainer, and he's been seen on the TED stage as well, sharing his magic and his talk. Let's jump right into my conversation with Jason Michaels. Imagine being a young boy trapped inside your own body. Albert Einstein said, only those who can see the invisible can do the impossible. Go forth and do your impossible. Jason, thank you so much for being on the Branding for Entertainers podcast. Uh, We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. 
Is Jason Michaels actually your real name? <laughs> so, sort of. It sounds too good to be true, like Billy it, Diamond. <laughs> so, it kind of is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my um, my name is Michael Jason Cook, C-O-O-K. I, I've always been gone by Jason because my dad's name is also Michael. Uh, he has a different middle name, but last name Cook, C-O-O-K. And when uh, I got into magic, I thought to myself, Jason Cook, does that sound like a magician? Because, you know, I grew up in the times of David Copperfield. And you hear stuff like that and you think to yourself, you know, does this sound like a star? Does this sound like a, an entertainer? And when uh, I was thinking about it, Jason Cook to me didn't sound like a, an entertainer. But if I took my first name and flipped it to the end and said, I'll call myself Jason Michaels with an S, even though my first name is Michael, mm-hmm. then that to me sounds like an entertainer. And so when I go, when I entertain or perform or even, you know, write, I write under sort of a, an assumed name. <laughs> gotcha. Sure. The other thing is I was an actor. And so I always thought going and seeing movies, you know, you see the different names and, you know, at least back then it just felt like you needed a name that kind of rolled off the tongue naturally. And so mm-hmm. part of it was the magic side of it. But the other part of it was like, well, if I really pursue this acting thing, I think it sounds better to be Jason Michaels. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah. Tell us just a little bit about your background in the entertainment world. Paint a picture for us. What what did that look like? How did it sure. come about? So I was 16 years old and I uh, was taking a speech and drama course in my high school and I decided to audition for a play. It was known as the junior senior play. It was kind of like the big play of that year that happened at my school. And so I went out for the play. I got a role uh, in that really set me on fire with acting and being in front of audiences and becoming a, sort of a different character, you know, reading the script and interpreting the script and performing as this character in a play. About that same period of time, I used to play cards with friends. And one day I thought it would be fun to learn a card trick. And that kind of took me to a magic shop, which used to be here in Nashville called Abracadabra. And, uh, I walked in, the man who owned it, Gary Hayes, was there that day. He absolutely did things that that just blew my mind. I remember thinking to myself, this is what I want to share with people. I want people to see this and have this experience that I'm having right now, this uh, this feeling of just shock and amazement and awe. And and that's really how I got started. It sounds silly to say, but I kind of did not realized that magic and acting were related until later. I mean, I knew they were both performing arts, but I kind of looked at magic as a hobby and something that I did for fun, card tricks and stuff like that. But I was very serious about acting. I went to college and I studied theater, four years, theater degree, and it was all or nothing for me. Wow, fantastic. I basically said there will not be a plan B for me. Uh, I'm going all in. And when I got done with all that schooling, I kind of was trying to decide what I wanted to do next. And at the time, you had to move to New York or LA. You did. There were, I mean, if you wanted to be successful, you had to. It was a daunting idea to move somewhere where you know there's, I mean, there's already a lot of competition, even when you're in college. And that's a small community of people. It's just everybody's focused, but it's still a small community. It's a small group of people. And the idea of going somewhere 
where there was huge numbers of people all trying to make it. It was like a crapshoot. Now, being much older, I realize that you can treat it like a business and that you can approach it from a sales and marketing standpoint. You can have success with it if you're really smart. But at the time, it was very much like, do I? my thought process was, do I really want to be auditioning for the rest of my life? And the answer was no, because I didn't want my future to be based on someone else's decision whether or not I get to work or not. Right. Yeah, you're auditioning. You're getting all these yeah, no's. It's, it's, a constant, it's a constant no. My girlfriend at the time said, well, have you thought about doing magic? And, and I was like, that that is what I should do because I would, I love magic. I love magic just as much as I loved acting. And I thought, at least I have some control over magic. At least I have, I can, I understood, I understood that magic, even though I didn't know much about business, I understood that I had more control over the success of my potential career as a magician than I did as an actor at that specific point in time. That's kind of interesting that you would actually say that about that particular point in time, because you did transition from uh, doing less acting, more magic, and performing for the corporate world. And more than anything, I think you're known today as being uh, a speaker, which is fantastic. And you mix the magic with that. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what got you to yeah. that point? Ultimately, what Kind of the thing that set me off was get, getting burned out because of corporate, being a corporate entertainer, doing magic for corporate audiences, and ultimately having them just not care whether or not they, they I mean, no offense, but they they weren't hiring a named act. They weren't hiring Pitbull or um, mm -hmm. you know Three Doors Down to come to their event and entertain their people. They're just hiring a magician. And they really right. didn't care. And that to a point, I got to a point where that was just too much for me. And that was ultimately the thing that set me on the path of wanting to speak more often. Now, that's not the only thing that set me on the path of wanting to speak more often and to do um, speaking engagements that incorporate magic. But that was one of the things that set me on that path because I realized that I had a story. That was my story. It was my life experience. It was not anybody else's life experience. And if somebody right. wanted to hire me, Jason Michaels, to do my program where I incorporate magic and I incorporate my life story and I incorporate a little bit of education as well on, you know, for their people, then I knew they were hiring me because they wanted me and they weren't hiring just anybody. And I, sure. I was, I have been able to take the rejection a whole lot better when somebody said, if, if they don't want, if they don't want me to come tell my story, I'm cool with that. But I know that if they hire me, then they literally want me as opposed to, we just want a generic can of beans off the shelf. And it doesn't matter what can of beans we get. Like for some reason that made a difference to me. So, for instance, nowadays, if a, a company wants to hire me to come and do a one-off event like a sales meeting or a corporate gig or, or whatever, I would prefer – I really want them to want me to come speak because I can incorporate um, 
as much or as little entertainment as they want, but they're going to get at least some what some sort of message that connects that is my message. Um, that's kind of one of the reasons that I decided to start speaking engagements. Fantastic. We all have a story that we can tell in some capacity. Sounds like you took it to the stage and you took it to the masses to say, hey, I'll share my story and I'll share this uh, wonder and amazement along the way too. Yeah. For about probably 10 years of hearing people say, you know, you can become a speaker and you can do this and you can do that. I said no. I remember I was taking some marketing education classes and coaching and people were saying, you might want to consider doing some speaking. And I remember thinking, look, I just want to be the very best entertainer I can be. And then my friend, Stephen Bargatze, he's a magician, but he also has a motivational program and he's brilliant. He knew what my story was. He knew my story of dealing with Tourette syndrome and being a kid who grew up, um, you know, wanting to be an entertainer and having the, the twitches and the ticks of the Tourette syndrome. And he was also saying to me, you know, you should really tell your story. You should go out and let people know. He was saying it for many reasons. One of the reasons is because every now and then, the more I did magic and the more comfortable I was on stage, the ticks little by little started to come out. Whereas most of the time in the past, they had been hidden away because when I walk on stage, the ticks don't come out. But he was also telling me that because he just knew how much of a connection that you can make with people when you're sharing vulnerability and they are able to see parts of themselves in what you're sharing yeah. with them. Yeah, and he knew that that would be a way for me to connect with people better and perhaps maybe to create additional opportunities. And so ultimately, there were a lot of things that kind of came to a head. I give Stephen the vast majority of the credit because he was the one that was like the little constant knocking on the door. And it took him a period of years, a little by little, trying to get me to open up to be willing to do it because I just wanted to be seen as a good entertainer. I didn't want anybody to ever say, oh, look at that guy. He's really good for somebody with Tourette syndrome. I never wanted that. I wanted yeah, people sure. to go, man, that guy's great at what he does. Oh, he has sure. Tourette syndrome too? Yeah. Holy crap. Are you serious? That's what I want. Sure. And I think that's what we all want at the end of the day. We want that acceptance and without the label. And, and it's possible. You're doing right. it. So share with us a little bit about Tourette's and your diagnosis, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Yeah, as far as uh, Tourette syndrome goes, it's a neurological disorder. It's, it happens in the brain. It uh, manifests itself in what doctors refer to as tics, which are rapid, repetitive, uncontrollable movements or vocalizations. Most people know Tourette syndrome as that strange disorder that makes people cuss uncontrollably. And there is a small portion mm -hmm. of the population, the Tourette syndrome community, who has that. But it's not a big one. Years ago, oh, wow. when Tourette syndrome started coming out, the media really made that like the big story. They like, oh, there's a syndrome that makes people curse uncontrollably. And they just do it out in public. It was almost like a punchline. It's like, oh, look at these crazy wow. people who can't stop cussing. And so for that reason, a lot of the people in the Tourette syndrome community for years have felt like, oh, well, we are a punchline. People think that what we do is silly or trivial or worth laughing at. But the simple fact of the matter is that the way that the ticks come out, they're rapid, so they happen fast. They're repetitive, so they happen over and over and over again. So that when a, a tick starts, usually it's not just one tick. Usually it's the tick that happens uh, multiple times. 
and then it's uncontrollable. So it happens usually without the person even knowing it's getting ready to happen. It happens over and over again, and it happens quickly. And for that reason alone, that is another one of the reasons why sometimes people with Tourette's get bullied and pointed out and made fun of because for a number of reasons, because it shocks people. It is so far away from the norm of what is going on in most people's lives that they're either saying something to make themselves feel better because they're uncomfortable or they're just saying something because they're jerks. And so the folks who deal with Tourette's oftentimes it's a difficult situation. And and I assume that's something that can happen at any point, right? You don't I mean you could be in you could be in a restaurant or you could be on stage, I assume, right? Where you don't it's different uh, right? levels of, of severity for different people. Some of us uh, have it less severe than others. There are some people who have it so severe it, it it pains me to say that they almost can't function, but that's a very severe case. What usually happens is that, and this is not true for all cases, but what usually happens is that it kind of, the ticks start coming out in childhood to adolescence and teenage years because your body is growing. There's all these chemicals going through your body and all these different things. And the Tourette's really gets triggered and the ticks come out. Now, for a certain portion of the Tourette's community, as they grow into adulthood, the ticks start to lessen and even subside to the point where they're almost gone. That is not true for everybody. The other thing about Tourette's ticks is they wax and they wane. So at certain periods of time, they're more severe than at other periods of time. And that's what makes it so hard to figure out what good medicines. You might start taking some sort of prescription that a doctor prescribes and then it takes a while to realize whether it's the drug that is helping you or whether the Tourette's ticks are just in a waning period and not very severe. And then so so it makes it difficult. But, you know, as I grew up, the ticks uh, came and went and sometimes they were more severe than others. And then as I grew into an adult, they kind of went away for a little while, but then they came back. So for a number of years, they kind of went away and I kind of just forgot about them. And then they came back and I don't really have an answer as to why there's nothing I can point to and say, Oh, this is the thing that like brought them back. You know, it's just the fact that this is just my makeup for a very long time. I was paralyzed by the ticks and massively embarrassed by the ticks. I was so embarrassed. uh, I really couldn't talk about having Tourette syndrome with anybody. And I mean, I'm talking about to a level where, it was painful for me to even talk about it with like my parents. Like it pained me to talk about Tourette's syndrome or to say the words Tourette's syndrome or to talk about my tics. It was this deeply painful experience. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to talk about it for so long is that the idea that I was weak, uh, I was embarrassed by something I had no control over. You know, people that know yeah. me now will tell you that I'm a bit of a control freak. And anybody who hears me say that will laugh because they're like, oh, he's not a little bit of a control freak. And uh, <laughs> but part of that is probably because of, you know, at least a, there's a certain part of my life, even to this day, that I don't have control over. And so it's like I'm self-diagnosing here, and but my guess is that I like to control certain things because it probably balances out what I can't control. Right, right. I think anybody, and and 
like I shouldn't say anybody, but uh, I can speak for myself. I I felt the same way, embarrassed by this label of, hey, you have bipolar mm-hmm. disorder. Who wants to run around saying that? It took me a long time to have that self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. And boy, there, there's a freedom in that though, isn't there? When you can acknowledge it. And here again, I think it. I think the key is is being able to rip that label off the diagnosis right. and saying, "Got it, can't control it, but yet I can control it." And I think that's the beauty in your story. Even is you might not be able to control the neurological uh-huh. side of it, but from the standpoint to take that and use your story as a beautiful thing to share with other people tells me you you have the power over it you really do have the power yeah. over it i remember those dark days of looking in a mirror when i didn't believe it myself thinking you know you're going to get through this there's something empowering about being able to verbalize that to yeah. yourself literally verbalizing it and saying you know what yeah i will i i can and i will were those any of the kind of the similar tools or same tools that you used in, in your process to kind of get through? And because obviously you said it, it kind of paralyzed you for a while. It's interesting. It's almost like the more that I spoke about it, the more I learned the coping techniques. There were some techniques that I had just naturally kind of developed or come up with just on my own to sort of deal with the ticks. But as far as moving to a place to where I felt like I had really a healthy perspective on Tourette's and on the fact that I had Tourette's syndrome, it occurred the more that I was willing to talk about it, whether that was me talking to a group or whether that was me just talking to somebody else. Interestingly enough, and I didn't know that I would do this, but I really enjoyed talking to parents and I enjoyed talking to teachers and people who are trying to understand it better. But by doing that, it's almost like I realized certain things I was developing. I'll transition here just to kind of say that what ended up happening, I started going out and speaking on it. I wrote a book. So the book is a combination about my story of living with Tourette's and sort of my journey to become a professional magician. So it's kind of those two things together. And then I most recently have created uh, what I'm calling a resilience training course. And that resilience training course is all of the things that I have identified about how I have better dealt with having Tourette's syndrome and learning how to have control over it. I'll uh, go ahead and link that in the show notes. That way, if anybody's interested in that training, uh, they can check that out. And I do want to mention that it has nothing to do with if you have anything medically or clinically. This is a resilience uh, training for anybody, regardless of what you might be going through. It's uh, really helpful tools that uh, can help you cope and possibly help you get through this. And then, of course, I'll also list your book. But I do want to mention, too, that you just recently started a podcast as well. And I'm on there next month. But tell everybody why you decided to start this thing. More people need to hear that they are not alone in whatever it is that they're dealing with. And that is the reason that I got with my friend, uh, Stephen Bargatze. And the entire goal of the podcast is that we speak to all sorts of different people. Sometimes we speak with entertainers. Sometimes we speak with just people who don't have any, you know, have no connection to the entertainment world at all. 
but people who have inspiring stories of dealing with adversity and overcoming them and coming through the other side and they share their life's lessons. And so we try to share inspiration and amazement through this podcast. And so I really want to put that out there into the world because I think that the conversations that we are having with people are really poignant. Where can people actually find the podcast? So the podcast's name is hashtag do the impossible podcast with Jason and Stephen. That is, it's a long name, do the impossible podcast with Jason and Stephen. There are multiple places they can find it. So it is on Stitcher. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on any of the podcast providers. If they want to go to my website, which is jasonmichaelsmagic.com, I have a player there where they can listen to the audio podcast or download it. But we also, the podcast is both a video podcast and an audio podcast. And the reason we wanted to do a video podcast as well is every podcast episode is viewable on my website and under the podcast uh, section. In every episode, we share some amazement. And sometimes the amazement comes from the stories that people are sharing, but we always share a magic trick because Stephen and I are both magicians, and sometimes we have magicians on the show. And so uh, there is a visual element to magic. So people can watch the podcast, the video podcast, if they want to, by going to my website, jasonmichaelsmagic.com, and clicking on podcast. Or if they just want to listen while they're in their car or, or going to the gym or whatever, they can find it on their favorite podcast provider. That's fantastic. So if you want, go over and check out that podcast or on any of the podcast platforms. So do the impossible. Jason, I do want to transition here just a little bit uh, because we want to talk about branding. So let, let's just make a little transition here. How hard was it to actually incorporate with having Tourette's into the magic or the speaking? It sounds like for a little bit of time, you were resistant to the idea or recognizing the Tourette's. I always tell listeners and just people in general that I talk to that are entertainers is it's so important that one of the number one rules of branding is just be you, be your genuine self. And that's hard to do when you have a label or diagnosis like myself, like bipolar disorder. It takes a little bit to embrace that. Mm -hmm. How did you rebrand Jason Michaels to become who you are today? Well, that's a long process, rebranding, especially when somebody knows you for one thing to kind of change your direction. So for me, I wrote a book and I titled it, You Can Do the Impossible Too. And then as I was really developing the speech and honing it down and trying to figure out what I was going to call it, because whenever you're doing that work, you want to find a title and you want to have graphics and logos and things like that, that are easy for people to remember that they identify with you. And so I was looking at my book and I said, oh, wait a minute, let's just call the talk, do the impossible. The book is called, you can do the impossible too. Let's just call the talk and do the impossible. Now I will say this, what I'm describing is a process. I'm not the smartest cookie of the bunch. Sometimes it takes me a long time to really figure it out, but over time, little by little, I hone in and I sharpen and I figure it out. And so as a kid with a neurological disorder that caused him to twitch and make movements and make vocal noises, the idea that I would be able to stand up on stage and act and become a professional entertainer who stood up in front of people 
and communicated and made them laugh and made them cry and did all of those things. People who looked at me and all they saw was the tick, that looked like it would be impossible to do. There's no way this kid with this neurological disorder would ever be able to be a successful actor slash entertainer slash presenter. So when I say the program is do the impossible, it to me, it has multiple meanings. And so I really honed in and locked in on that one thing. Now, I will say this. Back in the day, I told you earlier, I never wanted to be known as the Tourette magician. Uh, but that's because it was so embarrassing to me. Nowadays, you get to look up on Google and stuff like that. You get to look and see what people are searching for when they find you. And what I found is that a lot of people look up Tourette magician, mm -hmm. and I have no problem with that. I don't really own it. I don't really like push it like that's my brand. Right. But I don't have a problem with it. And who knows, maybe someday I will. Wow. Man, good stuff. Really good stuff. What are five words that you think would actually sum up you as a person or even as an entertainer today? It's just off the top of your head without thinking real hard. What would those be? Okay. Uh, thoughtful, resilient, um, vulnerable, unique, showman. Wow. So as I say that, are those things that you actually incorporate even into your brand today? Because those are things that are much more than the diagnosis that you have. Are those things that you actually incorporate within your brand to push Jason Michaels, the magician or the entertainer? So, yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, yeah, that's a great point And what a great exercise. I think that I am, let's see, you're unique and showman and resilient i'm pretty i don't know if i incorporate all five of them but i'm pretty confident that i the majority so definitely three maybe four right. possibly five so but it's a good what a great exercise yeah it is a great exercise it, it lets you know that you know what hey at the end of the day these are things that make me genuine and here again branding is about being 100 percent genuine being who you are yeah. on stage and uh well, that is really about all the time that we have for this particular episode today. So we do need to kind of wrap things up here. I do want to encourage everybody to stay tuned for an upcoming episode where I speak with Fred Becker. Fred and Bobby Becker, boy, they've been in the cruise ship industry for many, many years. And you might say, well, Billy, it seems inappropriate to bring them on to talk about uh, the cruise ship market, especially right now. It's dead in the water. <laughs> <laughs> that was horrible. That was that was really bad. But <laughs> I had a really good conversation with Fred, and I think you'll enjoy listening to everything that he has to say about the state of the industry. Uh, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, uh, Jason, thank you again. Once again, I really appreciate you coming on and just being vulnerable, sharing your story and about how you've gotten through a lot of your challenges. And everybody, please check out Do the Impossible podcast. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Anyway, buddy, thank you so much for being a part of this particular episode. We certainly appreciate it. Anything you want to say in closing? I appreciate the opportunity to share my story, and I hope that anybody who heard it, I hope that it connects with them. And I share all of this completely from my heart as a way to give to other people who might need to hear these lessons or hear these stories and know that they are not alone in the Hey, thanks so much for your time. Much appreciated, Jason, okay? All right, Billy. Take care, man. Thanks, bud. Bye-bye. Just a reminder that if you go over to the show notes 
uh, of the podcast here, you're going to be able to have access and get information for Jason's book, his resilience training, uh, as well as the podcast. You're also going to see some uh, video links over there, too. You can f- watch his full TED Talk um, and watch him do some magic as well. Really great stuff. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I want to wrap this up just by saying once again that if you enjoy the podcast, please do me a favor, rate it and review it wherever you're listening right now. Uh, It's really important because it helps us in the ratings, but it also gets the word out. And that's what this whole podcast is about. So thank you once again. And until next time, take care. Take care.